Welcome to Locked On NFL, your daily podcast on the National Football League on the number one daily sports podcast network. Brian Peacock, you can find me on Twitter at BD Peacock. Matt Williamson, you can find him at Williamson NFL. We are staying in the trenches on today's show. A fantastic guest. We talked about his list of the best offensive lines in the league Wednesday. Today, he joins us himself to break down the best defensive lines in the NFL. That is Brandon Thorne. Find him on Twitter at BrandonThorneNFL and the newly established EstablishTheRun.com. Brandon, also got to say congratulations. A prolific baby maker, Brandon Thorne, expecting his <laughs> second child anytime now. So, uh, Brandon, second. appreciate you carving out some time for us. I know it's, it's kind of crazy when you're expecting a child. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Thankfully, um, you know, we have a lot of support here and I'm able to do stuff like this still. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I, I've been boosting the uh, Establish the Run pod or, um, you know, they also have a podcast, but they're the site quite a bit. And I've gotten to know Evan pretty well over the years and you guys are doing killer work. And I, I really do think Brandon's one of the premier line guys out there. And it's something that we just don't talk about enough. So I'm really psyched to dig in with you, man. I appreciate it. I'm really excited to talk ball with you and, and Brian as well. So yeah, I'm I'm a fan of this podcast as well. And I've listened, I listened to that episode with Ben Solak and uh, you know, I've listened to you guys quite a bit. So it's, it's cool to be here. Oh, cool. Awesome. Yeah. I appreciate that. The, the established the run name is great too, because if I'm not, not mistaken, it's a little bit right. tongue in cheek because you don't actually believe in it establishing is. the run, right? Yeah, the yeah, that's the idea behind it. I mean, you know, me personally, you know, I, I don't necessarily believe in that wholeheartedly, but I do believe that there's a lot of value in in that in different ways. Um, you know, just the running game in general. But you know, you have to get creative with it and do it at the right time and all that kind of stuff as well. I think. Brandon, I got a general question for you before we start talking one side of the ball versus the other. Is mm-hmm. I've been doing this a long time now. I, I mean, I've been in the media 15 years or so. I was with teams for basically five years before that. And I really think the discrepancy of talent from defensive linemen over offensive linemen is greater than any time I can remember. Just in terms of ability, talent, you know, raw tools. I mean... <laughs> It's funny you say that. That's something I've been saying, I feel like, for not as long as you probably, but, you know, especially, you know, lately, the last three, four, five years, uh, I've been saying that constantly, and I I wholeheartedly agree. I think that the talent level is significantly tilted in the defensive line's favor, and I think there's a lot of reasons for that. I think it kind of has a effect that starts in high school, really, um, you know, because the biggest talented, the biggest, most talented kids want to play on the defensive line because it's obviously a lot more flashy. You get a lot more recognition. There's statistics um, and things like that. And it just kind of carries, you know, it kind of has a trickle up effect, I guess, uh, you know, to college and to the pro game. So, you know, the more bigger talented guys, more athletic guys are generally on the defensive line. And now I think it's at its peak over the last few years for sure. And that, you know, it puts the offensive line at a disadvantage in a lot of ways. And I know combine numbers are far from everything when evaluating talent, but just these last three, four, five years, it, it, people don't bat an eye when a 260-pound defensive end runs a 4.52 anymore, or a 290-pound guy runs a 4.81. You know, like 
There's a lot of them every year. It's like, what on earth is going on? Where are these people coming from? Yeah, it's crazy. I, I think that's really important for people to, to acknowledge and think about when they're watching film or watching a game too, because, you know, across the league, when you look at schedules and you, you're trying to evaluate an offensive line and you look at who they have to face week in, week out, I'd say, you know, 80, 90% of schedules for offensive linemen, you're going to see at least one very good to elite player on the defensive line. Usually it's two. Um, and that's just kind of the way it is. So uh, it's, it's important to consider, I think. But at the same time, you know, offensive line got to, you know, they got to adjust and, and make it work. But it, it is important context for sure, I think, in the whole scouting evaluation community. Brian, I don't mean to monopolize Brandon right oh, now, ahead. but he just hit another topic I wanted to bring up was I it, it seems like if you don't have two dudes, I mean Frank Clark and Chris Jones, you know, pick you pick your team. You better have two consistent guys that beat one-on-one coverage, two badasses to be frank, or you're behind the curve. Like it used to be, you know, not every team had two. Some have three now. If you don't have two badasses you're behind the curve yeah I mean I'm just looking at my defensive line rankings that I did for establish the run and and the you know the top nine teams really have that and then you know going I mean I have 10th I have the bills they're kind of a unique yeah they are a little different team um but I mean for the most part after that you know Saints Browns um I mean most of these teams have have exactly what you're saying certainly the the elite groups all have that and in some cases even up to four so yeah it's it's pretty wild brandon where do you fall on the argument of pass rush versus coverage and i know conventional wisdom now is starting to shift toward cornerbacks being more valuable uh it, matt and i have talked about this before and i think we both land on the side of man i'll take an average cover guy and a badass defensive line over the opposite and it to me, I kind of, I kind of look at defensive backs now because of the way the offenses attack every position on the field. That it's almost like I almost compare defensive backfield to an offensive line where you need five starting caliber guys. You need five really good guys, but if you have a shutdown corner on one side and someone who can't cover on the opposite side, they're just going to go to town on the on the weak link there. Just like if you have an offensive line where there's one stud tackle, but your interior is just getting blown up play after play your offense is still going to be screwed. So I almost look at it like that, where you need five good players, but if I'm trying to find the stud player at the top of the draft, I'm still drafting that that pass rusher, that defensive end that can create havoc on an offense. Yeah, and I would even say the interior pass rusher you know, is as valuable as, like if you had two players who were equally dominant, and I almost sometimes would lead toward, lean towards the interior guy. So... But in general, yeah, that whole premise and idea is really interesting. And I do lean towards the pass rush as well, just because, you know, I think if you're able to impact the quarterback and the running game, you know, as quickly as possible, which is through, you know, a potent pass rush and really good penetrators up front, I think the chaos that that can create is just, you know, it's hard to beat that, and I don't think you can really do it with great coverage. I mean, great coverage obviously helps, and it's kind of a – you know, it's like a synergistic relationship there with coverage and pass rush. So they're they're kind of related in a lot of ways. But if I had to pick one, I would definitely go pass rush. And I think if you had a great secondary like the Patriots or the Ravens, you really need a creative defensive coordinator and 
a lot of unique blitz concepts and you have to be really innovative in that regard to generate the pressure needed to make the secondary look good, which both those, team, both those teams do have, obviously. So I think that that helps them as well. So I think you need a little bit more if you have that great secondary to make it, to kind of help them reach their potential. Whereas if you have a great pass rusher and a great pass rush, it's a little bit more simple to, you know, get them to be as effective as they can be, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And, and back to our conversation about how amazing these defensive linemen are, it makes you wonder, well, how's anybody get blocked? And I do think scheme has developed so well of getting the ball out quickly. I also think more holds are allowed in today's NFL than people realize. If you don't watch a lot of tape, there's more holding than I can oh, ever remember. Yeah. And lastly, one thing I really learned when I was with the Browns, this is a, a Phil Savage Ravens thing, is offensive linemen, yes, they're overmatched athletically, but I don't know if you agree, Brandon. If you're tough and smart, you're going to have a long career and you're going to get hard. You're hard to get off the field. I mean, if you have the baseline athleticism and physical traits, obviously you can't be 210 pounds, but if you're tough and smart, I'll take that guy all day long. Yeah. I think there's a lot of truth to that. And I think even, you know, where that's most true is on the interior and, you know, the further out you go, obviously there is a little bit more athleticism needed, but generally speaking, I think tough and smart are, maybe the two biggest traits that you look for inside. And I mean, I I also look at how guys use leverage and how efficient they are, like, you know, their weight distribution and their balance and their base and things like that. I mean, you know, I think that can overcome, uh, you know, maybe below average athleticism or something like, you know, look at a guy like Mitchell Schwartz. Uh, You know, I know he's kind of an anomaly, but there's other, successful tackles you know over the course of the last five ten years that haven't been that athletic but they're just so efficient you know with all their movements they're they're very rarely off balance they they're the timing that they use their hands is just perfect and they have a lot of variety to their game and you know it's like it's a cliche but you know if guys are crafty uh with how they utilize their technique i think that that can overcome athleticism to a large degree, but yeah, I mean, you know, I think that's most true on the interior and then it gets a little bit less true the further out you go, but generally it is just, you know, I think that's tried and true and it's going to be true, you know, for as long as offensive linemen are around. More with Brandon Thorne coming up. Who has the best defensive line in the NFL? I cannot recommend rockauto.com strong enough. Reliably low prices, a massive inventory for any number of vehicles, new and old. I love the website at rockauto.com. It's no nonsense, super easy to navigate, find anything you want for uh, an amazing number of vehicles, such a huge selection for cars that I didn't think they would have a ton of parts for. Not only uh, your favorite old car, classic cars, your daily driver, everything you need for your car or truck at rockauto.com. They're a family-owned business, been around for 20 years, helping you find parts online at rockauto.com. No different price structures for mechanics or do-it-yourselfers. Reliably low prices. Go fix up that old car. Keep your new car running. Don't forget to let them know we sent you right locked on in the Where Did You Find Out About Us box at rockauto.com. All the parts your car will ever need. 
All right, well, let's get into these rankings a little bit. EstablishTheRun.com, you ranked offensive line units around the league, which team had the best offensive line and which teams have the best defensive line. We talked a lot about the offensive line units earlier in the week on Wednesday's show. Go check that out, and we, we agreed with a lot. Um, I had some minor quibbles about some offensive lines around the league, but one team really quick, Brandon, I want to highlight that was at the bottom of your list with offensive lines was the Miami Dolphins. Looking at your defensive line mm-hmm. list, they're at 29. And for people that are excited about the Miami Dolphins, think they might take that next step, I have to imagine in your mind, uh, maybe some problems in the trenches would not allow them to take that step quite yet this year? Um, yeah, it just depends on what that step is and what people are expecting. I think they are trending in the right direction, for sure. Uh, they've committed a lot of resources to making both those groups better. Uh, via free agency and the draft. Um, they, I think they added like six or seven players total. Um, and I think that all of them are, you know, at least have a chance at being solid or are solid now. But yeah, all things considered, compared to the other 31 teams, I think that they're certainly in the bottom five or six, you know, best case um, on each side. And yeah, I mean, I think the offensive line's in a little worse spot than the defensive line. Um, but yeah, I, I just... You know, to me, they're taking a step forward in, in that they're not going to be – I mean, last year you can peg them in at 32 for offensive and defensive line from week one to week 17 regardless <laughs> You're right. You're right. of what was happening. You know what I mean? And there was no shot of them. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was just – that was how it was going to be the whole year. This year, while they're starting very low for me, I think that they have the ability to incrementally get better as the season progresses because they got a lot younger, they got an influx of talent and things like that. So, you know, that's kind of how I see them. But I, you know, there's, there's worse spots to be in, I think. I think there's a lot of teams that are close to them in the bottom half of the rankings that are trending in the wrong direction. So at least they're trending in the right direction, I think. I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but I'm assuming you agree with me that Aaron Donald is the best interior D lineman on the planet right now. I mean, that's pretty indisputable in my opinion. I have two questions, though, for you along those lines of just individual players. Do you think Donald is now in the conversation of one of the best ever or one of the best you've ever seen? And then part two of that is who's second? Who's the second best interior D lineman in the league? Is it Fletcher Cox? Is it Buckner? Is it Cam Hayward? Is I mean, there's a lot of different types. Yeah, uh, the first part of that, I, absolutely, he's the best in the league. And, I mean, he certainly, I think, is right there now beginning to warrant discussion as one of the best ever because I guess it's been five – I mean, he's, he's had six seasons in the NFL, and pretty much every year he's been very good at least. Yeah. Uh, I think it's probably been about three years now to where he's been absolutely dominant. Um, especially the last two. But, yeah, I mean, I think if you have three years where you're the best player at your position, um, that's probably a good time to at least start thinking about having that discussion. But then he has six years where he's been a really good player. So, yeah, I think it's warranted at this point. He has 72 sacks in six years. And, I mean, the amount of pressures has got to be outrageous. Uh, he has almost 200 quarterback hits. Um, and just Constant you know, he, double teams. Yeah, the, I mean, he just changes the the whole um, look of the defense and how teams block everybody else around him. And I think that's the reason why Clay Matthews was a- able to have 
the year he did last year. The, the reason why Dante Fowler has been able to get better, um, you know, around Donald, I think he makes a lot of people better too. So yeah, he has all the things you look for, I think, for one of the all-time best. Um, so it'll be interesting to have that discussion more in the next couple of years because I still think I don't I don't think you could put him like at one yet or anything, especially. Right. You know, just because the track record isn't there yet, but he's certainly on the way to, you know, probably being the best ever if he keeps doing this. So, um, and then the second part of that, I still kind of have a soft spot, and I think it's warranted for Fletcher Cox. I mm-hmm. think, you know, last year he came into the year coming off of toe surgery, and it took him about six, seven, eight weeks really uh, to really kind of get back to his pre surgery level to 2018, 17, 16, 15, really. So I think that that kind of gets lost. And when people are talking about defensive tackles now, they kind of bump Cox down a little bit because of how he started the year last year and maybe the first half of the year. But the second half of the year, he started to get dominant again. And I think over the last few years, he's been the undisputed number two guy um, as far as defensive tackles. Uh, And I think the next closest guy is probably Chris Jones. Um, You know, he, he hasn't been, you know, dominant as long as these guys so I that's why I part with the reason why I kind of lean Fletcher Cox and I also think Fletcher Cox is better against the run um, than Jones Jones might be a little bit better of a pass rusher so you know it's, it's kind of I think Jones and Cox and they're very similar too, like their body types but um, you know I think those are probably the next guys that are neck and neck for that two spot and you know if we're talking a couple of years ago I think Geno Atkins should have been in that discussion although last year he I think kind of we were seeing his age a little bit, but um, those guys to me really stand out. And then you start talking about Grady Jarrett, of course, Buckner, and guys like that. Yeah, I agree. I don't want to reveal the entire rankings. You guys can go out there and find it at establishtherun.com. But I want to talk about the top tier, and it's actually kind of a large tier. Five teams in your first tier of defensive line units around the league and it starts with the 49ers at one Packers at two Broncos are third Washington is at four and the Steelers are at five um right in the middle there the Broncos is the one that intrigues me the most and I have two questions there one is where's Vaughn Miller at in his career is he dropped from that tier of being like "Uh oh look out we're gonna face the best pass rusher in the NFL coming off the edge this week when we face the Broncos and then the other one is what do you expect from Bradley Chubb where was he pre-ACL do you think he can get back there to make this ranking worth it for the Broncos to be the third best in the league yeah so I mean based on the rankings the answer to that is yes as far as Vaughn Miller being you know, still, I think, a premier edge rusher in the NFL. Last year, the entire defense and just with the coaching change and all that, and then also, you know, Chubb tearing his ACL in week four and just the the whole defense just, it looked off and it was hard to explain. Von Miller got a, a tremendous amount of double teams and attention and slide protection his way and chips and all that stuff, especially when Chubb went down. Um, but he still had quite a few uh, amount of pressures, although his sacks were down to eight from 14 a year and a half. And he basically is averaging like 12 to 14 a year over the last five years. Um, but yeah, so last year, when you look at the sack numbers, they were down a little bit. But when you watch him down in, down out, the amount of attention he draws and then still the, the stuff that he, he's still able to do all the same stuff that he was able to do 
just in 2018, from what I saw. I mean, you watch him against what he did to Taylor Lewan last year, what he did to Jack Conklin in that Tennessee game was incredible. Um, and then there's a couple others as well where he just looked like himself. It just wasn't as consistent as the year prior. I don't. I still think he has another year or two of that level in him, um, and I think it's really going to help him to have somebody like Chubb, you know, the opposite of him this year, as well as Terrell Casey, which was a big reason for the ranking. Um, but yeah, having Chubb back is huge, and I think Chubb. I don't ever see him becoming an elite pass rusher, but I do think he could be a very good pass rusher for a long time. Um, and I think that that's kind of where he was trending, uh, you know, in that first year. And I think he's a technician, you know, I think above everything else, he's a very good pass rusher. He has a good power. Um, he's not as bendy as Vaughn. He's not as explosive as Vaughn, but I think he is good enough with his hands and he has enough power to win in multiple ways. Um, I think I would really like to see him develop an inside move. Um, I think that would allow his game to go to the next level and really cement himself as a very good pass rusher. Right now, I kind of see him as an above-average guy, um, but I think he certainly has what it takes to get to that next tier. He'd kind of be like a tier three guy for me right now. I think he could be a tier two guy. Um, and then, yeah, just Denver as a whole, Jarrell Casey to me is maybe the best defensive lineman in the NFL on the interior, specifically on stunts. Um, he's certainly one of the two or three best, uh, just the way he's able to penetrate and knife through uh, that, that gap on, you know, off the line of scrimmage. His, his snap quickness is very good, plays a really good leverage, and he has a relentless motor, and that kind of sets everybody else up. Then he's kind of the point man on the interior. That's how I kind of look at him. And then kind of a dark horse guy who could be their fourth best rusher is Draymond Jones from Ohio State um, in college, and I think that he has a lot of potential to be a, a really good fourth guy on a defensive line and in nickel and dime and things like that and obvious passing down so they have a lot of potential man and i they actually have some decent depth as well so i think that they you know have a very good shot at being one of the premier units in the league more with brandon thorne coming up we're giving love to some big men here on locked on nfl brandon you mentioned kind of you know all the attention von miller got last year and it kind of dawned on me, like, if I were doing your job and just really concentrating on linemen, especially defensive linemen, we all know a thing or two about football. But in a way, we're kind of civilians as opposed to offensive line coaches or schemers on the other team. That I think if you watch a couple games of all 22 end zone copy, you can tell pretty darn quick who they're afraid of, <laughs> you know what I mean? By the protection. Yeah. Right. No. Yeah. I think that's a hundred percent right. Um, you know, when Vaughn's on the field, you know, most of the time if a tight end is in line on the line of scrimmage, he's going to be on Vaughn's side. Um, and you know, they, they, they do things where they either do full slide protection to his side or at least slide the center over to his side. Um, so you see that a lot especially without Chubb there. I mean, the center is going to bond side most of the time. And then if a back is going to chip, you know, on his release or just help to the six man protection, I mean, chances are he's going to go to bond side as well. So just those things, you know, themselves kind of speak to how much respect Vaughn you know, garners from the opponent week in, week out. And then when you really watch him, um, just his quickness off the line is still there. His ability to, you know, I think somebody in my mentions a few years ago said Vaughn Miller can run a 4-4 four, four 
running underneath a table. He's like and, Gumby, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he could still do that. And the thing about him that's really underrated is he can convert speed to power at a very high level. He's not just pure speed. He can actually go down the middle of a guy, and he did that to Lawn last year. He put Lawn in the quarterback's lap, um, and he does that kind of you know year in year out to different high level guys like that. So um, he has it all, and you know I still think that even though it may be the tail end of his prime, I still think he has another year or two of that kind of that premier level in him. I can already hear fans of teams like the Bears at seven, Chargers at eight. Chiefs at nine, back to back to back there, not being in the first tier, even though they each have two stud players like, uh, and even you had Robert Quinn now to Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks in Chicago, Bosa and Ingram with the Chargers, Jones and Clark we mentioned earlier with the Chiefs. Is it just depth that's keeping those lines out of the top tier for you? Yeah, I mean, you can make a case for all of them. Um, You know, I have... Chicago, I mean, so let's start with the Chargers at eight. They only have two, you know, really premier. Now, granted, they're outstanding players and they play all over the line of scrimmage. Um, That's another thing that kind of makes them even more dangerous is because they really do play a lot of three technique and they play alongside of each other and they play on opposite sides and they're just really difficult to to kind of get a handle on. Um, So that's why they're there, but that's also why they're not in the elite tier because I really need to see Jerry Tillery take a next take the next step to provide more of an interior presence on the line. That's kind of why I have them there, but they're still obviously top ten, you know, in the league. They're outstanding. The Chiefs, they're centered around two guys purely. They don't really have much else at all, but the two guys that they have, really starting with Chris Jones, if you have one of the two or three best interior rushing presences in the NFL, I think you warrant a high ranking and then to have such an explosive pass rusher like Frank Clark on the outside, that's good enough for me to put them very good, but not in the elite tier. And then the bears, they probably have the best case and they're the closest to it um, out of those three teams because they added Robert Quinn, who I think is going to provide that third guy. That's so, you know, that, that's so important for a pass rush to kind of go to that next level. Um, you know, if he plays how he did last year in Dallas, that was kind of a resurgent year for him. He looked outstanding last year. Uh, so I, I would think that he could replicate that, especially on a line where with Khalil Mack, who is obviously going to generate the most attention. So Quinn's going to have every opportunity to, to you know, wreck havoc and, you know, do what he does, use his outstanding quickness and that cross-chop technique that he has. Um, and then Akeem Hicks, you know, as long as he comes back from that, elbow injury I mean he's he's a dominant force in the middle who players have a lot of respect for he's he's just like a a wrecking ball in the the middle so they're really close to it it's just um I need to kind of see Quinn do it again for a couple games and then Hicks I want to see him healthy um so that's kind of why you know I kind of kept them out of that really but they're you know very close obviously in top 10 units Brandon, I have one more question for you, and it's a hard one. It's a combination of your O-line and D-line ranks, and here it is. I have four teams written down, and I want. I'm curious, which do you think has the very best big men in all the sport when you combine O-line, D-line? And I have the four contenders. I have Steelers and Niners. Well, of, of course, BP. And yeah, the Eagles <laughs> and Eagles and Saints. 
And the Eagles are always at the top of that list, but they, they took a couple hits on the O-line. So I think those four teams are the contenders for best big people in the league. So I'm kind of putting you on the spot. Yeah, no, that's a really good question. I, I love that question. Um, I would Saints you know, I'd probably so put strong. Philly. What's that? I say the Saints O line just carries so much weight to me. Yeah, me too. Me too. You know, for sure. So, and you know, the 49ers D line carries a lot of weight with me as well. So that mm-hmm. that's what makes that one so interesting. Philly would be four. So that that would be the easiest one for me because Brandon Brooks is hurt. And, you know, their O-line is just taking a little bit of a step back. So that would be yeah. four. So that, that one's, you know, you know, at least we eliminate one. Uh, and then after that, I mean, I would probably go with the Saints at number one because their offensive line and their defensive line to me has the potential to climb in my rankings. Uh, you know, I really think that Davenport and Hendrickson on the opposite side of Cam Jordan have a chance. I, I want to see one of them emerge this year. And I think that, that we have a pretty good shot at seeing one of them kind of take another step. And then also Rankin, if he can come back and be healthy, this defensive line can go up like four or five, six spots pretty quickly. Now, granted, a couple things need to happen for that to occur, but sure. I think that they have a pretty decent shot at that happening. And then like, like you said, their offensive line really carries a lot of weight with me. So I'd probably put them one just over the 49ers. I think it's very close, though, because of the 49ers defensive line uh, just being loaded. Um, And their offensive line, though, is interesting. Even though I have them very highly ranked, and I think they're a very good unit, I think some of that is because of how well they're coached and how friendly that scheme is to offensive line. Um, Just the way that Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan is able to kind of scheme up advantageous angles and leverage for the offensive line with all the, you know, the, obviously the unique personnel packages he uses, all the variety of motion and things like that. It kind of helps and bolsters that offensive line's ability to, to get it done. So that's why they're not number one for me, but um, that would be two. And then Pittsburgh would probably be three, um, who, you know, is just very good on both sides of the ball as well. So that's how I would rank those. Yeah, Steelers O-line didn't get any favors last year, didn't have any help. Any help. No, no, that was, gosh, that was brutal to watch. And it, <laughs> I mean, you know, just with the quarterback situation and all that. But yeah, that that offensive line, it's crazy, you know, with Foster leaving. Before Foster left that offensive line, they had three interior starters with a, with 100 starts each, which is yeah. incredible, the, the tenure there. But that, you know, they're still going to have two of that three intact. And I, I really like Filer right tackle. I, I honestly kind of wish they would keep him there because I think he has a chance. I mean, I think he, if I was tiering him in right tackles right now, I'd probably have him in like tier three as like an above average right tackle. And it's kind of tough to move a guy like that. I think he's going to be the same, probably a left guard. I think he has a lot of traits that will translate well inside, but I don't know. I, I really liked him last year, but. I still think four of those five starters are going to be really good, um, really solid at least, or better. It's going to be interesting to see with right tackle what happens there because now that's probably the biggest question mark they've had in the last few years, I think, on the offensive line. Um, well, I mean, I don't know how true that is. With Gilbert and all the stuff that happened with him, there's a question there too. But um, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Looking they, ahead. Like Chook, they like Chooks a lot. I will tell you that. Chooks. I'm excited to see him. Yeah. Chooks. Um, yeah. just 
looking ahead real quick, Brandon, uh, last one for me here, because we're almost out of time. Which, uh, which defensive line, which unit has the opportunity to, when we're looking back at this list next year, make the biggest jump from where you have them ranked now, and why is it the Carolina Panthers? <laughs> I was shocked they're as high as they are, and I'm impressed. I agree with you. It's a, you know, they, they had a lot of sacks last year. You have them 19. It's a lot of faith in some youngsters. I like it. Yeah, I, I mean, I, when I made this list, I thought that I would be lower on them than, uh, you know, some people because I think that they got maybe a little overrated last year because of that sack number. Um, but, yeah, I, you know, I really liked um, Derek Brown at Auburn. Not that I think that he's going to be necessarily an elite pass rusher, but I do think that he'll provide enough there to – be an asset at least and not you know total liability i think he'll be able to push the pocket and compress things um and you know i'm also banking on kawan short coming back and at least being 80 85 percent of what he typically is and i think if you get that you're still going to get a good player i think short's been really underrated you know the last few years minus last year with the injury but um yeah so I, I mean i think those two is really where it starts for me and and then burns i think has a lot of promise um he, he is still a little raw for, to me i think he makes a lot of plays due to effort and athleticism which is nice uh but when you watch all of his sacks he didn't really have a lot of high quality sacks last year um, a lot of them were because of coverage or because the quarterback was just not playing well or smart and, you know, just holding the ball too long. Now, you know, he has some flashes there where he does some incredible stuff, but I think, you know, he was probably the third best rookie edge pass rusher last year, but I think he's certainly the arrows pointing up there. And then aside from him, you know, it's, you know, it's really those three, you know, that are keeping them where they are for me. Um, so, you know, a few things need to happen there, but, um, they're, I think they're trending in the right direction, but it's gonna, they're going to have to replace short in the next couple of years. So I don't know if that would be my first pick necessarily. Um, just looking at the list here, see if I can, you know, this one's kind of intriguing to me. I, I think Oakland has a lot of promise. Wow. Um, you know, I, I think with Rod Marinelli there coaching the defensive line, I, I put a lot of stock into coaches with a long track record of development. And he certainly has that. And for him to not be a coordinator anymore, but to specifically focus on his niche and which is defensive line, I think that that's really intriguing, especially when you're talking about a guy like Max Crosby being there and also a guy like Maurice Hurst. Um, that is intriguing to me. Um, I think Arden Key has tremendous potential. Now there's quite a few things that need to happen before he reaches that, but he kind of has shades of Alden Smith to me, although a very raw version, um, just his physical dimensions and his athletic ability are just really kind of freaky. So it, hopefully he can maybe, you know, turn into something for them. Um, but I think they're a pretty well-rounded young, you know, kind of raw unit that has, you know, it's kind of like a, it's an intriguing ball of clay for Marinelli to mold. And I think that they're, some, you know, a unit that can surprise some people. Um, so that, that one is intriguing to me as far as kind of like, you know, one that's, you know, maybe people aren't thinking about. And then if you want to go like a higher, you know, tier or, you know, a more well-known defensive line, I'd probably, um, I think the Colts are interesting. Uh, and, you know, adding to Forrest Buckner, 
I think is going to be huge. And I think they're really well coached by Matt Eberflus as well. So, um, yeah, those are two that just come, you know, pop up to me. That is Brandon Thorne. You can find him on Twitter at Brandon Thorne NFL. And love what you guys are doing at EstablishTheRun.com. Brandon, really appreciate the time, man. Thank you so much. He's the go-to for trench warfare. If you want to know about offensive linemen, defensive linemen, go find Brandon Thorne. Thanks, man. Absolutely, guys. Thanks for having me. Matt and I will be back with you guys next week. Players are showing up for training camp. We'll talk all about it right here, Locked on NFL.